Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, listen, guys, we're going to jump into the word today. So the title of the message, well, what we're going to be talking about specifically tonight is the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is uh, something that uh, maybe you have heard before. You've heard the term. You've heard it quoted before. Uh, Maybe you haven't. But uh, the judgment seat of Christ is something that you see in Scripture. And sometimes you can easily read right over it. And it's one of those things that are listed in different ways. But the question is, what exactly is the judgment seat of Christ? What is it, what, what seat, what judgment is it referring to? Well, uh, my hope today is that we will get to talk about what exactly the judgment seat of Christ is, what it's not, and also why it's important for us to be aware of the judgment seat of Christ today. Why it's important for us as believers, not only for us to know, to, not, not only for us to know it, but what the Bible says on how we should engage the judgment seat of Christ, the, the great day. So we'll talk about that. But before we do, um, one of the things that I have kind of taken away as I've been kind of studying today, looking at, you know, you know, looking at it, one of the important things that that we that that we pull away from the judgment seat of Christ is that we all as believers will be held accountable for what we do here on earth. Our, our actions, our thoughts, our attitudes, our motives, etc., all of those things will be held accountable. And, you know, a lot of times we can talk about all the things that, 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 that go around or, or, or that go on around us in the world. You know, we can talk about how horrible things are. We talk about how horrible the world is or, or how horrible our neighbor is. Okay, maybe not. But my point is, is that it, we can easily talk about those things. And listen, I actually think that there is a time and place for us to talk about things that are happening. There, are, there is a time and place for us to discuss those things because there are times that, when, that, 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 that certain things are just so egregious that they just enter our topics of discussion. But, you know, whether it be wars that take place that destroy entire families and towns and villages, whether it be murders that people commit for personal gain, whether it be fraud that some commit taking advantage of someone else and leaving them with nothing, we can talk about the injustices that exist in the world, we can talk about abuse, trafficking, drugs. We could talk about gangs. We could talk about a lot of things. We can even talk about natural disasters, tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, wildfires, droughts, earthquakes, floods. We can talk about all all these things, and they're all horrible things that happen and that become in topics of discussion for us. But as we look at the judgment seat of Christ, what we see is that Regardless of what happens around us, we will not be held accountable for what other people do, but we will be held accountable for the things that we do, right? We will be, account- we will be held accountable. Uh, the, the things that we decide to do, that we say, 
even our thoughts. Interesting. At the judgment seat of Christ, we'll be held accountable. And we'll talk about more of what that looks like, but what we're talking about ultimately is that God himself is the one that holds us accountable. So let's take a look at a couple of scriptures before we jump into some more scriptures. We're going to be going through the Bible. We're going to be going through quite a few scriptures, and I'll, and I'll make sure that they're on the screen. And uh, we won't go too fast, but uh, I promise that it's all going to connect. And so uh, Romans chapter 14, uh, verses 10 through 12, says this, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Talking about, you know, why do you judge other people? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. There it goes, verse 11. For it is written... As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Okay? Let me share one more verse that will kind of bring all that into one simple verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So in other words, we must, every one of us, that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, where we will be handed what is due according to what was good and what was evil. Now, to me, when I read this, this brings more questions than answers, okay? One of the questions I ask is, he says, we. Well, who is we? Are, is, is he talking about unbelievers? Is he talking about believers? Is he talking about everyone? Who is he referring to? Well, when we, look, when we talk about the, 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 the judgment seat of Christ, it also can be referred to as, and it is referred to as the Bema seat of Christ, Okay, so, so the judgment seat of Christ many times can also be mis, mis, misunderstood with another judgment called the, white, called the great white throne judgment. Okay, and, and these are in Revelation. You can, you can read them. But the, the two are different. The great white throne judgment is specifically for unbelievers. It is where they will appear and where the Word of God says that there will be books that will be opened that has everything listed in it that has ever been done, and also the book of life. And when they come before and their name is not in the book of life, they will be cast in eternal darkness. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds horrid. It sounds horrible. It makes me so sad to think that there are people headed that direction which is the reason why we preach Christ, which is the reason why we do our best to be a light so that someone might be saved. But that is the great white throne judgment that is different from the Bema seat of Christ or the judgment seat of Christ. While the great white throne judgment is for unbelievers, the judgment seat of Christ is for believers. And not only is it for believers, but it's not to determine your salvation. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. 
But first, let us understand that this is for us. This, the, the, the judgment seat of Christ is specifically for us. And so when we look at it, uh, what is the purpose of the judgment seat of Christ? Well, we're going to read it here, but what we're going to see is that when we approach the judgment seat of Christ, it is not to determine whether you will be saved or not. That's already been established, which is the reason why it's a separate judgment. Okay, So we're going to read some scriptures and that, that at times can be confused and can be misconstrued as determining salvation, but it's not. So let's go ahead and, and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, okay, verses 11 through 15. This is a very common um, um, passage of scripture when referring to the judgment seat of Christ. So let's go ahead and read it. Verse 11, it says this, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer lost loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So again, when we read this, we got to remember this is the judgment seat of Christ. So this is believers. So uh, there's, there's a few uh, points I want to pull from this that'll help us to better understand this scripture. And there's five of them, okay? So the first one comes out of verse 11, and he, it, where he says that, 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 the, that the, the foundation, no other foundation can, can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Here, he's, he's talking about a foundation referring to a home that we're all familiar with. And, and when you, before you build a house, you have to build a foundation. And he says that that foundation is Christ. So he's saying that, that, that you, we all as Christians, our foundation is Christ. So in other words, the person's life that is being referred to is the one that is built on Christ. Okay, so that's the first thing is that Paul is referring here to believers. He's referring to us. Secondly, is that he refers to building materials for how we build our life or what we use to build our life because we're building our life on that, that foundation. Okay, the building materials that he uses, they're actually being compared. He lists six. He says gold, silver, and precious stones. And those are being compared with wood, hay, and straw. So you have two different sets of building materials. There are some who build it with gold, silver, and precious stones, and some who build it with wood, uh, 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 I'm mixing my words up, hay, and straw. And so, he, so, so these building materials are being compared. And, and then in verse 13, He's saying that our work, what we build, the life that we build using the materials will be tested by fire. They will be tested by fire. Okay, on the day of judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, each man's work 
will be laid bare before God. And as it's laid bare before him, it will be put through a fire. And what he says is that, is that the, the, the group of materials that are, that are built with gold and, and, and silver and precious stones, anything of that that is built of that is what's going to survive. And the things that are made of wood, of straw, and of hay, those things are going to get burned up. And, and, and so, in other words, here at the judgment seat of Christ, our works, okay, here he's talking about our works are, are, are what um, uh, uh, our building materials are being referred to, and our works will be judged. So, again, it's not your salvation. That's already been established through Christ. But when we come before God, it is our works You see, gold, silver, and stones do not degrade, do not corrode, and do not tarnish over time. But wood rots. Hay and straw, they eventually wither. They eventually eventually corrode and decay. And the, the... since our works are being compared to building materials, there are works that stand the test of time, and there are works that fade away. There are works that will make it through the fire, and that will still stand strong, and then there are works that will not make it on the other side of that fire. Okay? In verse 14, what we see is that Paul is sharing that what endures the things that make it through will be rewarded. Let's go ahead and read it real fast. Verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. All the things that are done here on earth that survive the fire will measure up, will be measured up, excuse me, and that person will, will be rewarded for the things that stood the test of fire. Okay? The size of the surviving material will determine the size of our reward. But in, ver- in verse 15, we see that what is burned will be lost. Let's read verse 15. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through the fire. So, again, there are, there are works that will survive and will be rewarded, and then there are works that will be burned up. And the things that we did here on earth that we strove for, that we worked hard for, those things that are made of wood and straw and hay that we strove for, those things will be burned up and we'll lose them forever. Now, when we look at this, it is clear that there will be works that will be rewarded and there will be works that will suffer loss. That's what we're seeing here. At the Bema Seat of Christ, the Judgment Seat of Christ, the whole point is we will come before God and he, in our entire life, will be laid bare before him. You know, whenever I first heard this, I always imagined 
whenever I was younger. I imagined that it was this, it's going to be this experience where God takes my whole life, every good thing and every bad thing, and lays it before every person, lays it before every angel, every existing heavenly being, and he goes through every single solitary thing I ever did, good and bad. And then from there, come into heaven. But that's, that's not what we see. That is not what's being displayed here. Instead, what is here is looking at our works, what we do, what we spend our time in, what we spend our resources on, how uh, 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 our motivations, the things that we pursue, all of these things will be laid bare before God. I find that so interesting. So the question is, what will survive on that day? What is it that will be rewarded? Because I'm sure that you're thinking like me, when I go, I want to see, once that fire is gone, I don't want to see just a pile of ashes. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to see that. I want to see and know that I have a reward coming. I want to know that, 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 that whenever that fire is gone, that I have spent my life doing something that is worth being rewarded by my Jesus. Amen? So what are some of those things? What is it that will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ? Well, I pulled out about six scriptures that I found, and, and there, I'm sure that there are more, but there, I'm going to pull out six. And there are six things that scripture specifically in these scriptures talk about being rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ, that by doing these things, you will be rewarded. And spoiler alert, some of these are things that we are doing in this church. I love my church. Don't y'all love your church? I mean, I really do. I don't just say it, but I really do love my pastor. I love my church family. I really love it. I love what we're about. So Let's go ahead and look at some of these things, the things that will be rewarded at the Bema Seat of Christ. Number one, and these are not in any particular order. I just listed them out. Number one, blessing those who cannot bless you back. Now, this is not just me just saying that because it sounds good. It, it says it right here. Blessing those who cannot bless you back will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Jesus said this. He said also to a man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, invite the crippled, the lame, Invite the blind, and you will be blessed. And read what it says here. Because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now, the resurrection of the just, what is he referring to? He's referring to the day that Jesus comes back. As we see in Scripture, when Jesus returns, the Bible says that he will be coming on the clouds, that we will hear the sound of a trumpet, and we will hear the voice of command, 
And at that moment, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are alive will also be risen, and we will be made like Christ in the twinkling of an eye. And we will be risen and taken with Christ in the air. So that's, that's what he's talking about, the resurrection of the just. And after that is when we will face the judgment seat of Christ. So here, he says, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of Christ. Jesus says that don't invite, don't, don't invite all the people who are going to pay you back or who are going, to, who, who are going to, to, to do even more for you or who are going to be a blessing back to you back. I mean, don't, don't, don't look for that, but instead look to be a blessing to those who can't pay you back, who, who have no opportunity where it is simply a blessing. And he says, for you will be blessed in this you are blessed because they cannot repay you. That was important. Clearly, that's important to Christ. That's important to God. And it begs the question, why we do what we do? Why we are giving up our time? Why we are involving ourselves, helping people, doing what we do? Are we doing it so we could be noticed? Are we doing it to check a box? Why? What that tells me, because this, this was, as Jesus was saying, it was a question of motive, which tells us that motive will be on the burning block when we are at the judgment seat of Christ. Our motives will be laid bare before God. But there is a blessing on, here on earth, and there are rewards waiting for us when we are looking to be a blessing to those who cannot bless us back. And man, let me tell you that we are doing that. In so many ways, we are doing that. Whether it be in Kenya, whether it be in Mexico and India, whether it be in the Philippines, Thailand, Indonesia, we can keep going, Nepal, and of course, we know we can talk about them all. But we are engaged in helping people who cannot help us back. And let me tell you that as you are doing that, Jesus has a reward for you. When you get to heaven, whenever you are faced at the judgment seat of Christ, you can be sure, according to the word that Jesus said, you can be sure that you have a reward waiting for you. Let us continue to help others who cannot help us back, to be a blessing to those who cannot be a blessing back. That's number one. Secondly, another thing that we see in Scripture that is rewarded uh, at the judgment seat of Christ is our self-discipline, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 through 27, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I should be disqualified. 
So this is another scripture that times can sound like it's talking about our works and, uh, and our works being compared to salvation. But when we look at it, Paul, as he is discussing, he's comparing us as believers to athletes who are disciplining their body. And they do it so that they can win a prize. And he calls a perishable wreath. But in the same, but, but slight differently, we do it for an imperishable crown, for an everlasting reward. And that imperishable crown is a prize and a reward that comes from Christ at the, um, at the day of Christ. And what Paul is saying here, he is not saying that he runs aimlessly and that he disciplines his body and keep it under control so that he can make sure that he's saved. That's not what he's saying. He's saying so that, so that he doesn't miss out on the reward. There is a reward in disciplining and making sure that our desires are not running wild. And the way we do it is by, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. By, the, the power of the Holy Spirit is, is what allows us to walk according to the Spirit. And as Romans 8 tells us, walking according to the Spirit means it, it, it means the same thing as pleasing God versus walking according to the flesh is pleasing ourselves. But when we allow the Holy Spirit into our life, when we allow him to work in us to help build that self-discipline to make sure that we are not allowing those desires to run wild. When we are allowing him, and as Paul said, as I buffet my body, as I, as I, as I discipline my body so that I would not be disqualified from my reward. There's a reward. You know, sometimes, you know, it can be, you know, you know as we focus so hard and making sure that we are pleasing God with our life. If you ever, if we ever are wondering why, well, first we do it because of what Jesus has done for us, but let's be sure to know that there is a reward waiting for us. Amen? There's a reward waiting for us. Number three is souls. One thing that we know that will be rewarded on that day is souls. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? He's saying here, what is it that, that, that we have to boast about at Jesus' coming? What is it that we have to rejoice about? What is it that we have to hold on to if, whenever Jesus comes back? He's saying it's you that you are saved, that, that, that you have given your life to Jesus and that you are following him. And the Thessalonians, what's interesting about the Thessalonians is that not only were they following Jesus, they were young in the faith. They were less than, than a year old as believers, and they were sending of their own and go, going out and sending others to make sure that other people would hear about Jesus. He was sure to know that when it came to the day of Christ, he, he had confidence in knowing that that he had a reason to boast, he had a reason to rejoice, and that there was a crown waiting for him because of the souls. 
Paul also talks about, you know, how, how, how some water and some reap, some harvest. But at the, at the end of the day, they're all one and they all receive the same award. They're t- he, he was talking about souls. And let me tell you that there is a reward waiting for us for the people that come to Jesus because of our uh, 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 planting a seed, because of our prayer, because of us uh, 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 giving to make sure the word of God is going out. Whatever, whatever our role is, we are all lumped into one. When that person comes to Christ, every person who had a part to play in it, all receive a reward. That is what the word of God tells us. And we can be sure that there, are, that there is a reward waiting for us. When we share the gospel, when we are invest in opportunities to send the gospel out, we can be sure that we are doing things that will ensure a reward. A couple more. Um, perseverance through persecution. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test of time, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. James was writing to believers who were facing extreme consequences for their faith in Christ. And there are still many places around the world today, as we know, that experience many different types of extreme persecution. And um, obviously here in America, we don't face that, t- that kind, but still we do face trials. And sometimes trials cause people to let go of their faith. It causes people to give up on their faith, to, to turn away. But as the scripture says here, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Blessed is the person, blessed are you, that as you face trials of many kind and you continue to stand strong in Christ, there's a reward waiting for you. There's a reward waiting for you. Listen, it it may sound shallow to be about rewards, but Jesus seemed to be really excited about giving these rewards out. He was very excited. When Paul talks about it, it was the one thing that he sought after. He pressed his life for the goal and the prize. It's not shallow at all one minute, one bit for us to strive. If we're going to strive for anything, let it be for the things that will last for eternity. Amen? And then lastly, faithfully, I'm sorry, two more. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I, I, miss, I must count. Faithfully shepherding the flock. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Peter is speaking to um, elders and overseers of the churches in Asia Minor, uh, Asia Minor who had, that had been dispersed due to great persecution. And he was encouraging them to continue to shepherd the flock and let them do it not, not uh, out of pressure, not something that they're doing, you know, with the wrong motives, but let them do it for the right reasons and let them be motivated to do it. And 
while I, I do believe, well, you know, obvious, it's obvious that this scripture does refer to pastors and, refer, and refers to elders, I think it also refers to children's workers. I, think, I believe that it refers to youth workers. It refers to Sunday school teachers. It refers to, to, to when we're any time that we are involved in teaching the word of God, that it refers to us. I, I, I even believe loosely in some way it also refers to our role and our responsibility as parents to shepherd our children, to shepherd them, our grandchildren, to shepherd them in the right way of the Lord. It's a responsibility that can't just be handed to the church, but that we have to handle it as parents, as parents to be an example. When you read that, that passage of Scripture in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, he's telling them to, to do it with for the right reasons and do it being an example. Parental Christianity is, is just as important as any of these other areas. And, and so, but, but there is a reward in in doing our due diligence in shepherding. And then lastly, lastly, is eternal perspective. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who loved his appearing. Paul was on his last, this is, this is the last letter he, he, he would ever write. After this, he was going to be martyred in Rome. And so he, 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 he shares with Timothy, I have run the race. I have, I, have, I, have, I have done all that God has called me to do. And he says this, that there is now laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Clearly his life was aimed. At this one thing, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. He pursued the reward. And not only to, not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, I had a hard time determining whether this is something that's separate, that we'll be rewarded for, or if this is just a lump sum of all the things. But regardless of how you see it, it is clear that God desires for us to place our hope in the Lord for the day that he is returning, to looking forward to that day. That perspective is something that is commanded and encouraged all throughout Scripture. And here, as he is saying that there will be a crown of righteousness waiting for me because I have lived my life focused on his appearing. And as we live that way, as we position our minds, we take a step back and we remind ourselves that in the midst of everything else, as we take a step back, Jesus is coming back and Jesus will make everything all right. He will. He's going to make everything all right. It it doesn't mean that right now it's going to be easy, but it does mean that I can still place my faith and my hope on the day that he returns, when he is coming back. And he says that, that, that there is a crown of righteousness waiting for him. And in the same way, there's a crown of righteousness waiting for us. There is a reward that is waiting for us that when it goes through the fire, it will not be burned up 
it will not be, it will not disappear, but it will be waiting right there that will be added up and we will be receiving a reward. Man, it is true that we can live our whole life for ourselves and still go to heaven. I, I, I don't know if a, a person who is changed by Christ can really just do that. But if somebody did, you can make it through. But as Scripture says, as narrowly through the fires, meaning as if the embers were to burn away, you know, barely escaping with your life. But for those of us, as we make our perspective about Christ and we do our best to align our vision and to do our best to live for him, to do things that we know will be rewarded, we will not walk into paradise empty-handed. Man, that is, that is just something to think about. It, for me, it's, it's, it's gotten me to take a step back a little bit, to look at. I mean, there are things we, that we get to do. There are things that we have to do. And there are things that there's, no, there, there, there's nothing wrong with the things that we get to do and the things that we have to do. But let, not, let that not be the only things. Let it not be the substance of our life. But, but as we invest our life in the things that matter, there is a reward that is waiting for us. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.